I'm going to hand over to Tim, who's going to be speaking to us from Philippines. Great. Thanks so much, Dave. Um, I'm not sure if you can remember back to when the pandemic first started and lockdown was um, introduced uh, to not only this country but around the world. Um, and a word that kind of appeared in our vocabulary was the word pivot. Remember that word? Kind of how are we going to manage this cataclysmic thing has happened? How is normal life going to carry on? How are businesses going to survive? How are, are we going to survive? And, and this, there's this idea that we have to kind of pivot somehow in the light of such a cataclysmic event, uh, we're going to have to do life slightly differently. We're going to have to rethink, reschedule, reorientate the way that we do things if we're going to not only survive but to thrive. And as we look at chapter 3 of Philippians, in some ways Paul describes here how with a cataclysmic thing that happened to him, meeting Jesus. He had to pivot. Uh, and what does that mean for us? So uh, I'm going to read chapter, th chapter 3 for us um, and then look, what's this got to say to us in the 21st century? So this is chapter 3. It'll appear on the screen. And it says this, Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. And this is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for such confidence. For, anyone else, for if anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, again, if you're not used to the biblical language, flesh means our human nature, our human efforts, our human achievements. If anyone else has confidence in human achievements, I have more. Circumcised on the first day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, but for whatever was for my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already attained all this or have already become, been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind, and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we've already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers and sisters, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For as I have often told you before, and now say to you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. 
Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enabled him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they will become like his glorious body. There we go. We've been looking through uh, the book of Philippians in in August, and uh, there's Paul's encouragement to us. I don't know if you noticed that uh, there uh, he says this. He says, one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what is ahead. Now, my money, that's two things. (laughs) There's, There's... Forget what's behind and straight into what's, what's ahead. What do you mean, Paul? What do you mean one thing? One thing I do when you're saying two things. Actually, well, I think that one thing is to pivot. Actually, one thing is to pivot. Actually, it's one thing to forget what's behind, one thing, and strain for what's ahead. And I think for Paul, as he talks, he thinks, actually, there's something we need to do. We need to forget what's behind. We pivot towards what is ahead. And in some ways, that's what he says. When he had this uh, amazing encounter with Jesus, he had to pivot the things that were behind him. He had to kind of, one thing, I'm going to stop, forget that stuff, because I've got something else that I've got to pursue. And I wonder for us whether there's seasons in our lives, there's times where we need to pivot. We need to realize, actually, what state are we in? What, how is life for you at the moment? How is, um, as Grace was saying, that she decided, do you know what, I want to be all in for Jesus. Actually, there's, there's something about kind of straining to follow him. Um, and even though a shorter life than mine, actually, there's some things that we need to forget that's behind us. We forget and we strain. It's one thing we pivot. So I suppose the question is, in that movement, in that pivoting, what do we pivoting away from? What things should we forget? What things should we forget? Now, the Bible often tells us to remember things. So, actually, we we shouldn't forget everything that's happened. Uh, Even the Lord's Supper, even communion, kind of uh, once a fortnight in the morning here, we will share communion. And and we take bread and we take a cup and we're told by Jesus to remember. Actually, we're not to forget Jesus' death on the cross. We're not to forget all that he won for us. Actually, we're not to forget the new life that... Uh, we have in him. Actually, we're not to forget that we're a child of the living God. Actually, there's some things that have happened uh, that we're not to forget. But actually, there's some things that have, have happened that we should forget. And actually, that's what Paul says here, doesn't he? Whatever uh, were gains for me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Actually, there was something about the way that Paul lived his life. Uh, lived his life, uh, that little quaint phrase, in the flesh. Lived his life with his own human achievement. And actually, when he looks back and he looks at the things that he, he achieved, uh, the things that he lists there to do with his, his ancestry, with his kind of being a Hebrew of Hebrews. Actually, he looked at some of the things that he tried to do. He tried to be zealous for God. He tried to be faultless in applying the Old Testament law to his life. Actually, with his human ability, he could look back and think, do you know what? I'm a great Pharisee. I'm a great follower of God. But he had that moment where he met Jesus. 
And when he met Jesus, there was something about his past that actually he, he thought was absolute rubbish compared to knowing Jesus. There's something about things in the past. I, th I suppose there's two things that I would say uh, for me that I need to forget. Actually, sometimes we should forget what is good to get what is best. We need to forget what is good to get what is best. Actually, sometimes we can live in the past. And actually, we can live in God experiences in the past. Actually, we can look back to things and, and somehow we so live in the past that we miss the best of what God has for us in the future. I don't know if you've ever kind of found yourself doing that, reminiscing. Oh, I remember when. And somehow when we look to what's in the past and we dwell in what's the past, actually we miss what God's got for us in the future. Um, I'm speaking at a conference in a, a few weeks' time, and they asked if I'd write a little bio uh, for myself. And so um, it's kind of a, it's about how, as a, a church leader, I observe kind of youth ministry. So I thought, oh, what do I write down? So, so I wrote down some of the things that I've done in the past, like about how I set up something called The Mix, which was a, a youth celebration. And people used to come from all over the region. We cleared all the chairs. In its heyday, we'd have six or 700 uh, young people here. And I, kind of, I started thinking, oh, yeah. They were good days. Seven nights, um, young people becoming Christians. Um, I remember kind of I put, I put down the bio, um, set up the Youth Workers Forum, which again, 30 or 40 kind of paid youth workers from around the region. We get together once, once in a while to encourage one another. Oh yeah, actually, oh yeah, those were good days. And, and, and even even having to write this bio, I, I was reminded here, actually there's some things, actually I could just live in the past. I could just say, do you know what, I've just, Turn 16. The past was, it's been very good. And I just felt God saying, no, actually, there's, leave what's behind because there's more in the future. Actually, don't dwell on the past because if you dwell on the past, you miss the opportunities that are here. And, and for me, I think I, I could just dwell on what happened in the past, but actually, there's so many more things that I feel God's put on my plate. There's things around the Woodlands Church Academy of how to see kind of new younger leaders kind of released, a pipeline leaders to see churches being planted, our congregations thriving. And actually, if I just dwell on the things that I've seen God do in the past, I miss what God has in store for me in the future. So I wonder for us whether at times uh, we don't forget the, the good things that God's done. But maybe it is that we don't dwell on those experiences. Oh, I remember when I was filled with the Holy Spirit when I was 12 years old. Yeah, but you're 45 years old now. You need to be filled with the Spirit today. Kind of, that, that we don't dwell on the past because we forget what's behind and we strive for what's ahead. In some ways, we may need to forget some of the good things to get some of the best things. But actually, we also need to find freedom from the bad things, don't we? Actually, we need to find freedom from the past. Because if we don't find freedom from the past and somehow find healing, uh, restoration, and actually we forget that, actually it will always drag us back as we live for the future. And I know for some of you in this room here, there's things that have happened to you, things that have been done to you. things, that, And you think, actually, they've so marked my past that how can I forget those? How can I, how can I deal with that? And in some ways, that is the challenge of encountering Jesus, is there's the possibility for things that have happened that seem to have an indelible stain on your life. Actually, God can heal, restore, but you can in some ways forget the pain, the disappointment, the sadness, and you can strain towards what God has for you for a future.
Uh, this week it's wonderful to have my mum staying with me. She's a wonderful woman, um, and I've, I've told you some uh, of the things. But well, one of the things we've done is that um, we've been reminiscing about some of the past things that God's done in, in mum's, mum's life, and just celebrating what Jesus has done. Um, many of you will know, because I've said it a bit before, that when she was born, um, she was born with spina bifida. And what happened was that there was two vertebrae missing in her back, and so her spinal column came out and back in again. It was kind of the size of a fist. And, uh, and back in the 1930s, uh, the medical profession just said to her, to her mum, actually, the kindest thing is just to let her, let her die. Uh, there's nothing we can do. But my granny, her mum, loved her, I loved her, and actually she, she lived. Um, she didn't walk until she was four, um, and when she went to school, it was quite hard work academically. Um, her, her dad was very mean and, and abusive. I know she was saying this week that, that my granny would, when school reports came home, well, and mum struggled, and so they were quite bad grades. She would burn it before her dad saw it, because if her dad saw it, she knew that he should get a beating for being so stupid. Um, now, you might think, actually, starting off life like that, leaving school with no qualifications, you might think, well, what's life going to look like for someone like, like mum? But she met Jesus. And, and, and to talk just this week about actually meeting Jesus, healing the past, and not only healing the past, but straining towards a future. And just, again, her, her short-term memory is getting a little bit worse now, isn't it, Mum? But actually, the long-term memory of all that Jesus has done, actually, it, it can be true. We can pivot. We don't have to be held by our past experience, things that have been done to us. Actually, we can pivot and we can strain towards a better kind of life a new kind of thing that God's doing for us. And so I say to you, from this passage, kind of in meeting Jesus, and you may be somebody who's watching online or uh, you're here in the room and you might not know Jesus yet, and I would say to you, there's an event that when you meet with Jesus, life will change. You'll pivot from an old kind of life towards a new kind of life, and it's the only kind of way truly to live. We pivot away from the good to get the best away from the hurt to get the healing. We pivot and we forget what holds us back from our past and we look towards, we strain towards what holds us in the future. So just in the last few minutes, what are we straining towards? Actually, if, if pivoting is moving from the past towards the future, actually, what are we, uh, what are we straining uh, towards? I don't know if any of you watched the athletics yesterday uh, evening. Uh, the World's Athletic Championships were on now, as well as the football. Um, but when they get towards the finishing line, actually, they strain towards the goal. Actually, they, they want to win the prize. That gold medal is up for grabs. And, and they know that they're somehow just their last bit of energy. They're straining towards something to win a prize. And I wonder if in our Christian lives, whether we ever feel that we strain. You strain towards something. Or do you just kind of kick back and think, well, do you know what? Uh, and it's the thing about earning an effort, isn't it? We, we can't earn God's love. We can't earn God's forgiveness. Actually, there's nothing you can do to make God love you more than he does already. Actually, you can't earn God's forgiveness. But sometimes we think, because we can't earn anything, we'll just kind of be laid back and chilled out and... Uh, but actually, Paul says, no, you've got, there's a race to be run, there's a, a, a fight to be fought, uh, kind of, there's a prize, uh, that, and I'll be straining towards something. And just my encouragement to you this morning is, are you living towards something? What does Paul say here that he's straining towards? He's, in verse 8, he says this, I'm straining towards this. I consider everything a loss 
because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Actually, what are you straining towards? Actually, what are you kind of working towards? Actually, what are you putting your effort and your time and your thought life? Kind of, what are you straining towards achieving? Actually, Paul says here, of all things, I can't, and I used to be a really great theologian, a really great Pharisee, but actually I can that total dross and rubbish because I found something else. It's the surpassing knowledge of knowing Jesus, of knowing him, the creator of the universe coming into our world, dying on the cross so that we could be forgiven. Actually, it's not just a past experience of conversion. Actually, Paul says, I want to know him and carry on knowing him. He, he says this, I want, to, I want to know, in verse 10, he says, I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know how I can participate in his suffering. I want to somehow become like him in his death and somehow to attain the resurrection of the dead. Actually, you might say, well, who on earth wants a bit of suffering? <laughs> Actually, we're, we're, we're pain averse, aren't we? Actually, we're kind of people's opinion averse. Actually, we don't want things to be hard and tricky, and we certainly don't want to suffer. But here's Paul, and he says, there's something about knowing Jesus. Knowing Jesus is the most important thing in life. And you know what? If knowing Jesus means that people make fun of me, I'm going to still run on to find Jesus. Actually, if knowing Jesus means that I'm going to be persecuted or imprisoned, I'm going to still strain to know Jesus. I Somehow I want to share in his sufferings, to be like him in his death. I want to know Jesus. Why? Because in knowing Jesus, there's a power. The power of the resurrection. We have electrical power. We have nuclear power. Actually, the strongest power at work in this world is the power of the resurrection. And that power is available through Jesus to you and to me. If you feel powerless in your life, are you straining towards knowing Jesus? Knowing him? knowing the power of his resurrection, sharing with the suffering, becoming like him in his death. I suppose that's the question, isn't it, this morning? Are you going to pivot? One thing, one thing I, I say, forgetting what's behind, straining towards what's ahead. There's something about Paul here who says that actually in Jesus, the truth is, there's a life, it's worthwhile, putting the good things in our past to one side. It's worthwhile facing the pain and the difficulties of our past and finding Jesus' healing and to pivot round to say my whole life is dedicated. First priority, to know Jesus Christ is my Lord, the captain, the one who's in charge. And when you know that, there's life that carries on straining towards that goal until wonderfully... Um, uh, I was chatting to mum over breakfast and was saying a bit about what I was going to be saying because I do like to practice what I preach. Um, and, uh, and I said to mum, what, what, what are you straining for, mum? She said, well, actually, it probably is to be in heaven now. That's, and so Paul says this at the end. He says, so we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enabled him to bring everything under his control, what's he going to do? He will transform these lowly bodies so that he will be like his glorious body. Isn't that wonderful? It's a wonderful thing to, to strain towards, to look towards, to hope towards. Knowing Jesus, knowing the power of his resurrection. So as we pray and as we take a little chance uh, to worship uh, before we finish this morning, 
My, my prayer is, is for you to be like Paul, to have that amazing encounter that's an encounter with Jesus. And if you've never had an encounter with Jesus, there's going to be a few people here in a moment who would love to pray with you, to, to encounter Jesus. It may be that you know you're held by the, the, the fears and the disappointments of the past, and you need, as you pivot, you need, there's, a, there's a power, you need some prayer to be released from. Actually, maybe you even look and think you're held by human success and human achievement, but human success and achievement hasn't won the kind of life you really want. And you know you need to forget that because you need to pivot towards who Jesus is. Well, this morning, as we worship, look to Jesus. Strain towards him. Follow him. Find him. Find his power. Pivot away. Pivot towards. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that you came to give us life in all its fullness. And although there's nothing we can do to earn that, it does take a bit of effort to find that. Help us this morning in our choices in life to find you, to find your hope, to find your presence. In Jesus' name, amen.